I've been talking to my husband about this. He actually shows he actually shows a a Google a screen cap of my Google Analytics for a lot of presentations he does because he points to the point where my traffic dropped back down after I had a post do well and he goes this is where people give up. And it's where I would have given up. But he kept saying just keep writing. I was like, what am I doing? I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings. Drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a fire truck driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? I'm Blake Fletcher, and this is the Half Hour Intern Podcast, where we explore the interesting paths people take in life. In today's episode, I speak with Geraldine DeRoyter, who is a blogger and an author. Her blog is called The Everywhereist. Her book, which is pretty much brand new, is called All Over the Place, Adventures in Travel, True Love, and Petty Theft. And Geraldine is absolutely awesome. Her blog is, and her book for that matter, are ostensibly about travel, um, but that's kind of just like on the surface. Really, it's just a peek into her life and the way that she sees things in many of the blog posts and the writing in the book that's done through the lens of times when she is traveling. So as we talk about in the in the episode, it's not like she's blogging like, here's a top 10 list of places that you want to check out when you're in Santa Fe. It's like, this is what happened when I went to Santa Fe and you really get to see things through her eyes. Because of this and because of her amazing voice and style and really uh, sticking to her writing style and this whole entire personal technique, um, it took a little while for things to to build up, but she really, really broke through with her blog, and that's what led to her getting a book. So um, in the first couple of years of having her blog, she would get about 100 visitors to her site every day, and that was pretty much static. And anyone who has created a blog or has a social media account that they're trying to promote or anything like that, you you, uh, you understand like how difficult that is to, to increase your numbers. When you just have a blog out there on the internet, or like me, when you have a podcast out there on the internet, it's uh it's not an easy thing to get your numbers to go up and uh and then one day all of a sudden she got tens of thousands of people visiting the blog and that is because she was featured as one of the top uh blogs of 2011 by time magazine and yes that is the time magazine and that is not one of the top 25 travel blogs it is just one of the top 25 blogs period like in the world by time magazine um she has since also been given awards by forbes on uh, three different awards by forbes for her blog uh awarded by huffington post by the independent by viator um by u.s city traveler off track planet tons and tons of different places she's been featured many other places um I feel like this episode is just a really, really, really good episode to listen to if you want to do your own thing, but you feel, or or you currently are doing your own thing and you just feel stuck or helpless or you don't know where to go or you don't know what to do um, because Geraldine has been there before and uh, we talk about you know, pushing, pushing through that and sticking with it. And, uh, and there's a lot of good just tips and philosophical advice for anyone trying to, that is, that is a little fish in a very big pond trying to make it in the world. So without further ado, here is blogger and author. Geraldine, thanks so much for coming on the show today. 
Oh, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So I have to start this interview off by kind of gushing about you and plugging your blog. Uh, like I am abs- totally okay <laughs> you ready with for that. This? Okay. <laughs> yes. So everyone <laughs> listening to this right now, if you have never been to the Everywhereist, you absolutely have to go whenever you stop your car or if you're at home or whatever you're doing. You got to go to her website, the Everywhereist, which is just everywhereist.com. So yes. Um, ostensibly and this is what we'll dig into i imagine that this all started as basically just a travel blog but it's kind of grown a little bit into like some posts are about travel some are just about like how you're feeling and or life events or things that are happening to you or whatever it is and is you and i were talking the other day and it's funny because i i came across your blog um right after i had watched the movie boyhood so if anyone listening to this has watched the movie Boyhood, and it's funny because I was trying to compare this these things for you, and you'd never seen Boyhood, so I was just doing one of those totally annoying things where I'm trying to like tell you about something that you know nothing Describing about. Describing the movie I've never right. seen. Yeah. yeah, which is, I guess, what I'm about to do to also like at least half my audience or something. But anyways, the thing that I enjoyed, Boyhood is like such an amazingly charming and captivating movie because there's nothing that really tries to be super dramatic about it. You just realize that how quirky and funny and dramatic and whatever just real life can be if you just watch real life as real life, you know? And mm-hmm. I feel like this is a style in which you write. You, you always write with so much humor, but you write in this very, uh, just like the, the absolute realest way possible. And like the way that I explained it to you a little bit is it almost strikes me as like this flow of consciousness style of right like stream of consciousness or something where uh you will be writing something about travel or about an experience that you had or something and it will go back and forth between like yeah so like you know i'm in santa fe today and these mountains are beautiful and this is great and then it'll be like oh like my husband just walked over in this and why did he do that or what you know and it's like so (laughs) you you jump back and forth between like observing things as a traveler to what's actually going on inside your head and in all the voice is your your voice is just so humorous and so on point the whole time but it's like we actually truly get to experience things through your eyes because of the way that you write because the way that you write is the way that we experience reality um which is in this uh interesting like flowing way jumping back and forth between noticing something and then thinking about that thing and whatever it is and uh yeah it's just it's just so Thank so you. wonderful to read and such a pleasure to read the style in which you write I, I feel like it's really unique and it's incredibly well done and i imagine like it, it took a while to cultivate that ability well thank you um it's what i found is so i'm just i what i discovered was I don't think that you can do, you can't do one thing and you can't just do one thing. And I know that doesn't really make any sense. But what I mean when I say that is like, if you have a travel blog that is just about travel, or if you have any website that is just about that one topic, like people will visit when they want to read about that one topic, right? Like if you have a a website that's about cooking, people will go when they want a recipe. But if you have a website that is about cooking and you start to include personal narratives in there, or if you start to tell funny stories, or if you just create characters, 
And and when I say characters, I mean like you yourself are the character that people are coming back to read about, then they're going to come even when they don't want to read about your topic of expertise. Absolutely. Because I think, you know, we love to read about people's stories and we love to hear what they have to say. And so, you know, I'm if I give people something to read about that isn't just about travel, they're going to come more often than when they just need to learn about a place. Absolutely. And the thing, yeah, and the thing that I often tell people is, look, if you're actually looking for travel advice, my blog is not the way to go. Do not, <laughs> do not visit my blog if that's what you're looking for. Yeah, for sure. Instead, you feel like you actually get a glimpse in on your life as you're experiencing these things, not just like, oh, so what's it like to go to Santa Fe? Or, well, I guess that actually is a good example because it's like, what was it like? Like you're actually right. telling people like this is exactly what my experience in Santa right. Fe was like, not like, oh man, you got to hit up this exact restaurant and this exact bar and like this it, is how you do it. Exactly, exactly. It's not it's a very it's a very personal narrative of what, you know, what it was like for me. If you want what are the 10 best restaurants in Santa Fe, I am not going to help you with that at all. And I usually tell people like, it's pretty much a, as a travel blog, it's useless. Yeah, totally. Um, but I think that, you know, creating a narrative that people can latch onto is really, really important for readers. You know, we don't, nobody wants to read a book that doesn't have characters or that doesn't have a plot, you know, that's mm -hmm. not, that's not interesting. For sure. It's so funny because I, I would imagine that if I were to right now search for advice for creating a blog, the exact same advice would come up, which um, when you search for advice on creating a podcast, like when I started a podcast, I was a medical device rep before this. I knew nothing about having a podcast. Like I never <laughs> interviewed anybody before. I didn't know how to use a microphone with my computer, like nothing, you know? So yeah. I had to just do copious amounts of research in order to make this thing happen. And um, But I knew exactly what I wanted my show to be and I knew why I wanted it to be and things like that. But What's funny is they actually give advice, like in all these advice columns, they actually give advice for people that don't even know what they want to do yet. That it's like that, that somebody who in their head were, were, was to say to themselves, like, I want to start a podcast, but I have no idea why. And I don't even know what I want to talk about, which to me is really weird. <laughs> like, well, then why do you want to start a podcast? But right. anyways, like in all of these um, websites, the first thing that they tell you is be really specific. You know, yes. like you have to have a if you're going to create a podcast um, best thing to do would be to make a pot. Like if you're into, uh, tiny toy houses, make tiny toy house podcasts. Yes. And it's a very small market, but at least you're going to get every single one of those people. So it's basically the exact opposite advice that you just gave. No, and no, no. Well, so wait, 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 yeah, go ahead. this is, this is really important. I absolutely think that the advice of start narrow is 100% accurate. It is 100% accurate. And I'm also saying that at the same time that I'm telling you my blog doesn't do that. Right. And here's, <laughs> right. here's why. If you go back, so I have, I've been writing this blog for eight years, which is crazy. I can't commit. I mean, I can't, I've been with my husband for 16, so I can't commit to things. Yeah. But, um, but I've been writing this blog for eight years and I have posts up there. If you go back to these posts from 2009, like, they are not at all what my blog looks like today. 
I highly recommend, though, that people go back and look at some of those posts because I think it's very important to see how blogs evolve. And the way that I built an audience was by starting very narrow. So I think you absolutely at the beginning should start narrow because if you start too broadly with your topic, you will be completely overwhelmed, you'll lack focus, and you'll have trouble getting an audience. And so you can start with miniature houses and then it can turn into miniature everything and then it can turn into you know the evolution of society um you know in terms of like how like we we become entrenched in our hobbies i don't know like it can spread from there but i absolutely tell people in the beginning you need to stick to a specific topic and in the beginning i did religiously and it wasn't until maybe five years ago that I started to branch out. But by then I'd been writing the blog for, you know, for a solid three or four years. And it was, I was so strict with the topic that when I had some personal stuff that I was, I was dealing with, my husband was like, well, do you want to write about it? And I said, well, of course I do, but you know, I can't write about it on my blog. It's a travel blog. And he goes, what are you talking about? Of course you can. And that was where I started to shift. But part of the reason I was able to shift was because I had had this strict topic that I had stuck to and I had developed characters within that framework. It's almost like, I mean, it's almost like you watch Cheers, right? And Cheers is a very confined, it's a very confined show. It's within a, it's within a bar in Boston and you develop those characters. And then afterward, you've got the spinoff shows and then you can have Frasier, but you've got to start, you've got to start with some strict parameters. Otherwise, you're just going to spin out of control. That is such a great analogy and such great advice. That is like some great, great (laughs) wisdom. Because it's funny, like when we uh, just before I hit the record button, you and I were talking and you asked me Uh like what what I would hope that people come out of this episode with. And then you were asking Mm -hmm. like what what would be like an elevator pitch almost for like the show sort of Um, because I gave you such a poor answer to what I hope people come out of it with. And you're like, okay, so what would be like an elevator pitch? And it's funny because whenever somebody asks me for an elevator pitch, I always, uh, if, if I, we truly only have like, uh, 30 seconds and I know that the person doesn't really care, then I'll give them like the actual elevator pitch. But if Uh I think that the person might care, or if we have more time, then I like to go into so much more like detailed of a, of a thing because I don't, uh, it's really difficult to to want your thing to ju- to be so niche. It's such a hard thing when you have uh, uh you, you know when you have an idea for this bigger thing that you might want. It's hard to uh, to rein it in, I guess. So that like, did oh. you experience how you said you were very good at like, okay, this is exactly what I need to be posting about? Did you have experiences where you wanted to post about other things prior to that that first post that your husband kind of helped you get out there? Uh, did did you have experiences where you wanted to post about other things where you're like, I absolutely cannot do that even though I want to? Well, so what what I found was interesting is that uh and I I was talking to I was talking to someone about this the other day because they have a ton of dietary restrictions and they have uh a friend of a friend who is a chef. And that chef 
get so excited when they get to cook for this person with dietary restrictions because restrictions allow you to be creative in ways that you never otherwise would have. You have to find out how to do what you want to do within the parameters that have either been created by you or for you. I cannot agree more. I'm like such a big fan of this. Yes. Yeah. So what I had was I had this parameter of travel and I had to figure out how to write about the things that I loved within those parameters. And there are so many things that I love, right? There's so many things that all of us love. And I think that that's the way that you don't It encourages creativity, but it also, it doesn't get stale. And the way it doesn't get stale is that, like, we are all complex people. Like, of course, we all love a ton of different things. And we can't, you know, like, not to get super dramatic, but nobody can be defined by one topic, right? Like, no one, not even, you know, not even the luminaries in the travel world are defined by travel, right? Anthony Bourdain writes about culture and and food and, um, you know, international politics. And Rick Steves is, you know, I think this is pretty well known. He's a huge marijuana aficionado. And so he writes about pot all the time. And he's also super active in a lot of charitable acts around uh, the Northwest. So it's like not even people who are travel experts like stick to that, but they find ways of writing about the things that they want within those parameters. And so you can do it. And it just encourages you to be creative in some really interesting ways. Like I love pop culture. You know, I I worked at a trivia company uh, before before I started travel blogging. Um, And so a lot of my days were spent coming up with trivia questions by looking at IMDb and looking through, you know, uh, old like celebrity magazines. And so I needed to find a way to make that relevant to the travel world. And one thing that my husband and I did was a couple summers ago, we were in the UK and we extended our trip by a couple of days and we had absolutely no agenda. And he said, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to go to the Princess Bride filming locations. And I have no idea where they are. And we're just going to drive through some small towns until we find all of them. And that's what we did. We drove through, like, uh, it's the Peak District in England and Derbyshire, uh, which is, you know, it's right kind of in the center. Um, And it was beautiful. And we're walking through, we're walking through, you know, some of the castles where uh, where it was all filmed. And and it was fantastic. Um, I can't just write about the Princess Bride. That's not too interesting. But writing about the filming locations and writing about it through the lens of travel makes it incredibly interesting. And what it also does is it means that your topic never gets stale because you're always trying to find ways to write about the the other things that you love in that lens. That's such an incredibly good way to look at that and to look at things. It's like... So I've done over 200 interviews on this show now, and I always ask people at the end for advice that they would give people and stuff. And, and usually there's like a lot of advice peppered through each episode as well. And you, the same pieces of advice always come up, which, which I love because it just goes to show you like what a good piece of advice that is, you know? Right. They're universal truths. Right. But what you just said, no one's ever said that before. And it's like such Yay. a great way to look at things. 
Um, I I am I'm such a fan of of constraints and stuff and and putting constraints on things for the exact reasons that you said it like allows you to be more creative within those constraints and the cooking example is is uh, a perfect one. Uh, however, I've never tied that into uh, like your career or a hobby or anything like that or just kind of overall life happiness because I think that mm-hmm. it, it's so easy for us to get down on our life and, and get depressed about things when we feel like we are being uh kind of like hampered or that we can't like fully explore our creativity because we're only looking like outside of our own box like oh i wish i could be in that other box over there and i wish i could be in that other box over there instead of trying to find ways to almost incorporate pieces of those boxes into our own box you know uh it would just yeah like make you a little bit happier i would imagine to to not feel like you're missing out on those things to feel like okay i can still do that while i remain in this box right here yeah i mean i think so i think for a lot of us a lot of us have jobs that we or work that we don't necessarily love um and i've i've been there um i i like what i do now sometimes i don't love it but i like i like what i do now a lot um but i think all of us have have kind of these these moments where we're like you know i'm not i'm not happy um but you can't quit like you can't, you know, everyone and so many travel writers do. And I actually talk about this in my book. Uh, so many travel writers are like, oh, yeah, I'm going to quit and see the world. It's like, oh, okay, that's great. You know, like, good luck with that. Um, I can't, you know, I, I can't do that. I need to stay where I am. So it's how do I how do I write about the things I love when I still have, you know, when you still have obligations and you still have things that you have to do. Mm-hmm. Um and after a while, you start when when you are able to start incorporating the things you love within the constraints and obligations of your life. You do start to realize that that even that is a privilege. Like you will not feel you will not feel like you are compromising. And I I, I really truly believe that. Um, and it and you will realize what a privilege it is because. And I've been reading a lot about this about people who genuinely you know if you're working three jobs you don't get to incorporate the things that you love into your life. Like mm-hmm. you, you don't like, that's not a luxury that you have. If you've got one job and you're kind of unhappy with it, but it pays the bills. Like you, there is room. There is room sometimes to yeah. find ways to incorporate what you love in there. Yeah. Not yeah. always, but but point. sometimes there is. Yeah. Cool. So let's, uh, let's talk about your blog a little bit. I would love to <laughs> kind of explore your blog and everything that you've done in sort of like a timeline format if we could sure. going through everything um because your blog at this point has had like tremendous accolades and tremendous success and we will get to all that but let's go back to like the very beginning when you first started it so if you could tell everyone uh like you already said when you started the blog but i guess like why you started the blog how it all came about sure so um so i was laid off i was laid off in 2008 uh, it was kind of a big recession. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure some of your listeners will remember it. I too was laid off in 2008, so Were I feel you, you. Really? All right. What month? Uh, Do you for remember? me, it was. Ju- of course, I remember. Are you kidding? You don't forget something like that. <laughs> right? It was in July. Yeah. Okay, so I beat you by a couple of months. I think it was. It was either late February, early March for me, um, and I was laid off while on vacation. 
which I knew it was coming. Uh, and that was part of why I took the vacation. Like it was completely irresponsible, but I had these vacation days that I, I knew would not pay out. And my boss was like, just go, just go, please have fun for all of us. And I was like, okay, I'm going. So I got, um, I got an email via my phone and I'm sitting in this hotel room in Naples and it just says, Oh, it was from my friend Philip, and he's like, "Well, I'm out. It was nice working with all of you." And I'm like, "What's going on?" And he's like, "He's like, we are, we are all collectively laid off." And I said, "Who's we?" And he said, "You know, basically you, me, and everyone we've ever worked with." Um, oh my god! So yeah, it was it was broad. It was very sweeping. Our we I worked at a small game game company uh, called Cranium, uh, which I'm sure people might have played games within the Cranium family. Um, like the and game Cranium. Like the game Cranium. Yeah. That's crazy. I was just playing that again. Like, first of all, that's it's such a great game. And I was just playing yeah, it again, hey. like a few weeks ago with some friends. Were you really? Yeah. Uh, I should, we should talk later about what edition and I can see if I worked on it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, so we, uh, we were acquired by Hasbro and they kept a very small transitional team. Um, and so we were all laid off and it was the second in a round of layoffs. Um, so at that point, you know, I, I actually contemplated, I'm like, I should stay in Italy, but you know, I had no money. And also you can't be officially laid off. And so you can't collect unemployment until you come home and are in person for right, them to leave right. off. So, so I got back and I was freelancing for a bit. Um, and my job had kind of when I first started my job, it had supported myself and my husband. And he was he was getting his he's a entrepreneur and he was getting his company off the ground. Um, so my husband my husband runs a company called Moz, uh, which does marketing analytics, or he founded it. He's he's no longer running it. Um, he stepped down from that a while ago. But uh, but at the time that I was laid off, you know, his company was doing better. Um, and so I freelanced for a while and I, I tried to find work and it wasn't really panning out. And after a while he said, well, why don't you, why don't you travel with me for a bit? Cause he was traveling a ton for work. And I said, sure. And so I started traveling with him uh, and I would send friends these long emails, like long emails about our trips and what had happened. And, uh, you know, a couple of them along with my husband were like, why don't you start a travel blog? And I said, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not good at travel. Like, that's not my passion. That's not my forte. Uh, and my husband said, well, what do you want to write about? And I said, well, I want to write about, I don't know, you and cake. And he goes, yeah, no one's going to read a blog about me and cake. <laughs> and he goes, so what do you think you could write about every day? And I was like, I think I could write about you and cake every single day. And he's like, no, I think you should start a travel blog. Uh, so I wrote a travel blog. And again, here's the part where you have the parameters and you try and fit the things into them. So when I first started this travel blog, it was exclusively about travel. And it was like, I am going to make the most useful travel blog out there. I am going to write about like the best products to use. I'm going to do product reviews. I'm going to do the top 10 things to see in cities. And it's going to be, it's going to be super, super helpful for anyone who visits it. And I started it and not only was it kind of unhelpful, it was so boring. It was the, like, go, I encourage you to go read the early posts because I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, it's funny and, because that it's, it's hard because like you said, you wanted to be writing about cake and your husband. So when right. you, when you can't find a way 
to really enjoy like what you're writing, it only makes sense that it would come out boring. You know, it's right. Uh, right. There's there's no other there's no other option. Uh, so then so then I said, well, what if I I wrote one post about us getting lost in San Francisco. And as I was writing it, I'm like, this is not a helpful post, but it is kind of this like rambling love letter to him. And it was the first great post I ever wrote. Uh, and I, and he read it and he started to cry. And I said, oh, okay, I was not expecting that, but also I think I, I think I'm on to something here. Uh, so I started to make it a, a lot more personal. And I still tried to make it useful, um, but that was not the main goal, right? The main goal was was kind of that mix that we talked about. How can it be useful, but also give people something that they'll want to come back to? And in the early days of the blog, um, you know, there's so many travel blogs out there. And I tried to think of what can I do to differentiate mine? And other people, I was like, other people are better at travel. They are better at budget travel. They are better at giving advice. And I realized at that point in my life, I had basically two things going for me that I thought could differentiate my blog. And one was the voice of the blog because I had a pretty strong narrative voice and I had a pretty strong writing style. So there was that, but I'm going to be honest, that's not enough. Like... You, I mean, I don't know if it would be enough for someone who is genuinely, truly, extremely talented, and I don't consider myself in that category. Like Hemingway would have trouble if his only shtick were great <laughs> nowadays. Um, and the other thing I realized I had more of than anyone else was time, because I had the luxury of having a husband who was very supportive, um, both financially and emotionally, and we don't have kids. So I had time, which not a lot of other people did. And I thought, okay, what are you going to do with this time? And I said, I, I told myself, I'm going to blog every single weekday, Monday to Friday. And so I put up a post for the first, I would say for the first two and a half years of my blog, probably I started when I was about six months into the blog. I wrote a post every single day, Monday to Friday. What and did those what, posts start being about? Um, you know, it, it actually became a struggle because it's hard to create that much content. Um, but it would, I mean, you can go look, this would have been around 2010, 2011. You can go check it out. It's um, all sorts of stuff. Like this is a cool thing that we saw in the city. This is a traditional dish that we ate that I loved. This is a traditional dish that we ate that sucked. Here's how I got ripped off this week. Here's what I did when I get lost. When I got lost. Here's what I did that was screwed up. Here's what my husband loved. Um, just everything. Like everything. I was writing about all these different facets of travel. But the thing that I was doing is in doing it regularly, and I would say if you are starting a blog or a podcast or any big project where you want to build an audience, you need to do this, do it regularly. It doesn't need to be every day. It can be every other week, but it needs to be every other week. You need to give people something to rely on where they can come back consistently. Because if they come back over and over again and there's nothing new there, they're going to get disappointed. So give them something to rely on and say it on the blog. Say new posts every Thursday, new posts every other Tuesday. I mean, Some I think, yeah, I think you're being generous saying that if they come back over and over again, they'll get disappointed. I mean, most people, if they come one time and there's not new stuff, they just will never right. come again. It's like, oh, right. whatever, I guess this thing's done. Yeah, right. Because you don't, you haven't built up that reliability with them. So I started blogging every day. Um, 
and it was going nowhere slowly. <laughs> it was, it just was not going anywhere. And I told my husband, I'm like, what am I doing? And he goes, you know, just keep writing. And a couple things would come in, like people would comment and a couple, a couple, like occasionally I'd get like a, a freelance job offer through it. So I was like, okay, I'm going to regard this as my online portfolio. Yeah. So but hang on, can we, can we slow down a little bit here in this sure. area? Cause there's some like specific sure. questions I want to ask you. So first of all, um, when did you get your first comment on an article? And if you can recall, I, I imagine like you probably had article, like comments from people that you knew or something, yeah, like maybe an definitely. old acquaintance. And it's like, oh, wow, like that old acquaintance of mine, like read it. That's great. And they actually commented. And then do you remember when you got your first comment on an article from someone that you don't know? And it's like, holy crap, there's like enough people reading this that don't know me now that somebody actually, because, you know, it's only one out of every you know, hundred thousand, however many people that read it are actually going to comment. So it's like, if you get a comment right. from a stranger, it's like, wow, that means like a decent number of strangers are actually reading this. If somebody commented. Um, so yeah. So the early comments were about, were from my husband and from former co coworkers. Um, but then I'm trying to think, I'm actually like, I'm looking right now at the archives <laughs> That's great. Uh, to see if I can find something. I would say that, oh God, this is embarrassing. This is like going through your old blog posts is like looking at pictures of yourself from like the mid nineties yeah. for me, right? I like just like your awkward imagine. teen years where you're like, no one needs to see this. Yeah. Um, so I would say it happened in the first couple months, but I assumed it was a friend. Oh no, here's Here's a photo. Yeah, I have no idea who this person is. Like, so it happened pretty early on. It happened pretty early on. Um, but I just assumed like people are weird. Like people are weird and and are reading my blog. Like right. that's okay. So I didn't. It didn't. It didn't weird me out too much. Um, it wasn't until people started coming back numerous times. Right. And that happened several months in. And I was like, what is like, that's weird. Um, like get, seeing comments again from the same strangers. Yeah, and stuff. yeah, yeah. That was a little strange. And actually, in the early days of the blog, it was so unusual that I I, I developed a close relationship with those commenters. Um, and one of them actually became like a very dear friend of mine. Like my friend Deanna was one of the first commenters on my blog. And so I was like, who, like, who, what? What is going on? So then I went and read her blog uh, and we started talking to one another on Twitter and she's she's now like a very dear friend of mine. That's and so I think that sort of thing can only happen in the early days of your blog. Right. Um so so yeah, so I'm I'm now I'm blogging every day. And sorry, one more question Geraldine before we yes. move on here. You mentioned yes. that you're kind of going nowhere fast or like you yes. said going nowhere slowly, which is much uh, such a better way to put it because that's what right? it feels like. Right. Uh, in as this is happening, do you truly mean that there's basically no growth? So you can obviously see um, the traffic from Google Analytics yes, or whatever. Is it just traffic. like a flat line? Like in the first however many months it grew and then it just plateaued and now it's just been sitting at this plateau for months and months and months. So it barely grew. So I had about 100 followers a day, 100 or excuse me, 100 visitors a day. 
every now and then I would have a post that did like, I was like, oh, this post did well. And it would shoot up and I'd have like a couple days where I had, you know, like maybe three days where I had a thousand visitors or I had uh, a few days where I had, like, I'll have one day where I had 3,500 visitors and I'm like, okay, this is it. Like I had a blog post go viral. Like this is it viral. Like I'm using air quotes right now because 3,500 <laughs> like back in the day was, was a big deal. And now, you know, people are, are getting like 85,000 retweets for something for like 140 characters. And you're like, what's going on? The world has changed. But anyway, yeah, but it's still all about what you're used to. And if you're used to getting a hundred per time and all of a sudden this you get 3,500, it's like unthinkable. Right? And I was like, this is it. This is it. And the very next day it would drop down to a hundred. And I was like, I, and that was the most demoralizing thing that could happen because I thought I had figured it out and I hadn't. And that I've been talking to my husband about this. He actually shows, he actually shows a a Google, a screen cap of my Google analytics for a lot of presentations he does because he points to the point where my traffic dropped back down after I had a post do well. And he goes, this is where people give up. And it's where I would have given up. But he kept saying, just keep writing. I was like, what am I doing? And I kept writing and I didn't know what I was doing. And in the summer of 2011, I woke up and saw that there were all these new comments on the blog. And I was like, that's weird. So I checked my Google Analytics and I had 15,000 visitors. And it was like 8 a.m. And I had 15,000 for the day. And I was like, that's weird. And I looked at the day before and I had a hundred visitors, like, and I had a hundred visitors for months before then, right? Months. And it went up to 15,000 and I was like, what is going on? And Time Magazine had selected my blog as one of their top 25 blogs of 2011. And they had a little, you know, you'd click through to see all of them. And I was the first one on the list. Holy shit. That's so awesome. It was just random. It was just luck of placement, right? Because they weren't numbered, but I happened to be first on it. Um, And I was like, oh my God. And I thought it was a scam. (laughs) I didn't think it was real. I was like, what is the, like, this isn't the Time Magazine. Like, what is this? And so I called my husband. I was like, honey, I don't understand what's going on. And he came in and I was like, is this real? And he goes, no, that, that, that's real. Like, this is real. Um, after that, my traffic never dipped below, never went back to what it was. So question about that. Yes. Can you talk about getting any sort of smaller recognition before that, that would have led to time even finding you in the first place? Like how the hell did time find you? Usually the way that these things go is a much smaller blog features you and then time like somebody that writes for time reads the smaller blog you know the smaller blog but the blog that's bigger than yours still you know and time reads that and then they find yours otherwise it's like you know when you're getting 100 people a day how is the editor at time one of those 100 people i don't know you still don't know to this day wow i don't like at first i thought i looked up i have looked up everyone at time I have asked everyone I know. I was like, did you do this? Did you have a connection? And I I contacted one of the people and they were like, no, we just get together and we have a panel of editors and we talk about sites we like. And someone had seen my site 
and they liked it. And they were like, well, let's take a look. But I think one of the biggest factors, and I genuinely believe this is true, I think one of the biggest reasons they picked it was because of how often I posted. Mm, yeah. Because if you've got somebody who like, if you are creating a list of these are the top blogs that I want to include on this list, if you have a site that you love, but somebody hasn't posted in three months, you're going to wonder if it's even active. Right, right. And so I think it was the immediacy that got them. And I had I had been making a little bit of traction in the travel world, right? I had been on some like travel lists, but the other thing too was they were looking for every year they do a travel blog on their lists, right? It's one of the they they'll do a cooking blog and they'll do a travel blog. Um, and then they'll do, you know, a variety of other topics. So I think that that's the other thing. It was the niche that I was specifically writing about travel and the frequency with which I was writing it. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's, it's just, it's so amazing. I, I, I can't imagine, like I'm trying to like put myself in your shoes and what that feeling must be like. So, um, I'd like to talk a little bit more about the kind of like the hard times mentally and, uh, and just trying to like balance yourself out and stuff. So, Um, you know, you had the blog since 2009 and it wasn't until like a ways into 2011 that you had this Mm -hmm. feature. So this is two years in that your numbers have been basically the same. And and you get these times where, like you said, you write a particular post and it goes up a ton. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the first time that happens, especially you're like, oh my God, I made it. And then maybe the next time you're like, I think maybe, and it's like, it's, it's, you you learn to kind of balance your emotions with those things after a while, you know, and not think like, oh, this is it. Like I broke through. And I, so just to give a little bit of a a personal story here, and then I would love to know, like, if you could just dig more into your thoughts through that whole time period. So uh, about a little over a year ago now, um, I was featured on iTunes on like the right. homepage, like on and, like the banner, like uh, above iTunes when you are on like looking at podcasts. And, uh, and so my numbers went up a lot, like while that banner was on there. And I, 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 like, as this banner was on there and that was my first time having, uh, I mean, iTunes for a podcast is like, that's as big as it gets, you know, like what else are you going to get featured on? You're like, I've made it. Yes, I've made it. This is the Oscars. And so I thought to myself, like, oh my God, like six months from now, I'm going to look back at now and be like, wow, yep, that was when it all started. And six months from now, like I'm totally going to be like Joe Rogan. I'm going to have like a million downloads an episode and I'm going to be like just balling. I'm going to be able to like, you know, talk to the people that I used to work with at my old company and be like, see guys, like I I struck out on my own and I made it and it's all good. And, uh, And then six months after I was featured on iTunes, my numbers were down from where they were when I was featured on iTunes, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so the exact opposite of this this grand vision that I had in my head is what mm-hmm. actually ended up happening. And as as that is all going down and you're watching your numbers sink back down, it is like crushing mentally, you know? Yeah. Uh, because you think like, all right, here we go. Like it's coming, here it is. And the thing that's the most kind of crushing about it is that you don't know then if you can repeat that. And I'm, for that matter, and this is why this is like a very selfish question for me to ask, because like, I'm still in that mode where like, I'm still now waiting for my next thing after iTunes or whatever. And I have a very healthy audience and I'm like really blessed to have the audience that I have. Um, But I would, you know, it's like, you know, you want things to progress and you want things to get better and everything. Yeah. And so it's, uh, 
it's very hard when you look backwards and like your highest point is not right now. You know, like that's it's right. always a hard thing for your highest point to have been at something in the past because of whatever sort of feature you got. And then think to yourself, like, am I ever going to get a feature like that again? Is right. that ever going to happen to me again? Um, you just don't know. So right. if you could please like tell us all uh, about, I guess, just mentally navigating that and not quitting. Like, I imagine it's a very real and difficult thing to not just stop yeah. because you're like, dude, this is ridiculous. It's been almost two years now. I still have a hundred people. Like, what right. am I, what am I doing here every single day writing these, writing these blog posts? Oh, I think the biggest thing to learn is if you quit, you absolutely will not get that high again. Yeah, totally. Right? Like that is fundamentally it. Like, and I think the thing to remember is that, you know, there's there's the saying, like, it's it's becoming an overnight success after a lifetime of trying. Um there is there is never there is a point where somebody will, where you will learn about something out of nowhere, right? You're like, oh, I've never seen this actor before. They've never done anything. Like, wow, they were an overnight success. But then you look and their IMDb has like 30 entries of like tiny little roles. And one will have gotten some attention, but then they'll dip back down. And then another one will, but then they'll dip back down. And I think it is you need to constantly be pursuing it. And I know that sounds awful, but uh, we do not, there is never going to be a switch that is flipped. It is always going to be tiny little incremental victories. And I think even the Time Magazine, I'm like, oh, well, that was an overnight thing. Well, no, it wasn't. My traffic dipped back down after that, right? And it, it didn't back down, drop down to where it was, but it dropped back down. And I was like, nothing's happening. Like nothing's happening. And where is my career going? And what is happening? And it was so frustrating for years. Um, and that was in that was in 2011. And I had a couple other I had a couple other bits of press after that. You know, I was listed on Forbes, I was listed on a few other things. Those only happened because I kept writing, right? If you quit, it won't. Right happen but, but what, were those other features the types of things i guess i was talking about before where likely the person at forbes saw the time article and they're like okay let's do this i mean i i have no way of knowing but i definitely do believe that things build on themselves right and i do think that the other thing is that an like you're you need to you need to slowly get to your audience from multiple points. And I'm experiencing this now because I'm learning that it's the same thing is true. So I just wrote a book. It came out last month. Um, the same thing is true with books. I thought I would release the book and everybody would buy it, right? And that's not how it works. You have to slowly, you have to keep fighting and you know, you'll get one bit of press but you, then you need more because people don't buy a book after reading one bit of press, even mm -hmm. if it's glowing. So I think the thing that you need to remember is that every little piece contributes to the end, the end goal of success. Like every bit of every little piece contributes to it. And if you quit, you will never get there because you're like, why am I doing this? I want to quit. You just have to remember at that point, you will never get there. Totally. Totally. <laughs> sounds logical, but it's it's. It's a tough, it's kind of a tough thing to tell yourself. For sure. And I, yeah, it's like, I guess we don't give uh, people in our potential audience enough credit if we think 
that they wouldn't remember having heard about your blog, let's say six months ago or three months ago or whatever it is, like, right. or your book, you know, it's like to your point about you want to be as many places as possible in right. maybe it's the third, the fifth, whatever time that someone hears about your thing that finally they're like, yeah, you know what? I will buy that book. And I think we might think, okay, well, but I need to be everywhere at once. So that way they can hear about my book all of those five times within a span of one week or something. And exactly. that's just not giving people enough credit because you can hear, there's been times where I've heard about a book a year after I heard about it the first time. And it's on that time I heard about it a year after I'm like, Oh, that's right. About a year ago, I was thinking about buying that book. I got sidetracked. I'm going to do it now today. Um, right. And you never know, you know, how many people in your potential audience are, are like that, you know, we're going to see yeah. you for some ex- obscure thing. Yeah. A second time, a third time. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's multi-touch conversion, it's multi-touch acquisition and you don't know, you don't know what those different touches are going to be for your audience. You don't know what different ways you're going to get to them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that. Uh, I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't quite take us up to current day for the blog, but basically I dropped back down. I was kind of demoralized for a while. Um, I had some interest. I got some, I had a couple publishers and agents reach out to me after the time 2011 thing. Um, but I didn't know what book I wanted to write. And I, I tried to make some traction and, all of those people kind of vaporized after a while. Mm. Um, I was getting terrible headaches around this time and I was having trouble writing. Um, and then in, was it 2012? Yeah. And then I think in the summer of 2012, I was diagnosed with a brain tumor. Um, oh my God. Yeah. So I don't know if you knew that. I don't know if you saw that. No, I did not know that. Yeah. That's wow. That's brutal. So, it's it was crazy. Yeah, um, so was one of my very good friends who's a young guy got a brain tumor right around a similar time that it's just so weird for young, healthy people to get brain tumors. Well, so there are some brain tumors that are actually very specific to young people. Um, and mine mine was very specific to to very young people. Uh, that's why they were so confused by it because they didn't they didn't know what it was at first because they said, well, we hope it's this. But you are I was in my early 30s at the time. I'm 36 now, but I so would have been I wasn't quite 32 at the time. Um, but it was it was very, very strange because they were like, we see this in teenagers or, or, or children under the age of 10. Mm. And so that's why we don't think that it's yours. So for a while they thought it was brain cancer. Um, and I actually had a friend who, who was dealing with, he's now passed, but he was dealing with brain cancer at the time. So it was a super, super kind of emotional and confusing time. And my husband asked me, he said, are you going to write about this? And I said, well, no. Why would I write about it on a travel blog? And he goes, what are you talking about? No, you need to write about this. Like, you you think your audience is just visiting to hear about travel stuff? Um, so I wrote... Uh, that was how a lot of... You know, some people I told in person, but a lot... Just because, you know, I've... We have a very big online network of friends. You know, my husband works in digital marketing. Um, so a lot of people in my life found out through the blog post. Um, 
So then there was a lot of recovery and a lot of, it was, you know, I had kind of trouble blogging for a while and the blog kind of, it got derailed for a bit. Um, and, and I got back to blogging and, and kind of back to writing. Now I had an interesting, I had kind of an interesting audience because I was getting people who were reading because they wanted to know about the recovery of brain surgery. And I had people who were interested in travel and I had people who were interested in just reading narrative stories. Right. Um, so you start narrow and you get bigger. So at that point, um, I told myself, I want to write a book. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to do it on my own. So I started writing a book and the blog kind of fell by the wayside. And one of the things, and I still blogged, but it wasn't as religious. So that was a really tough decision. It was kind of a tough sacrifice uh, to make. I say sacrifice. My life is incredibly privileged. <laughs> um, so my friend Chad has, he also has brain cancer. He is going strong, knock on wood, um, thanks to some pretty remarkable uh, tri medical trials that he's been able to get into. Um, I knew that I wasn't self-motivated, so I had, I told Chad, I'm writing a book. I'm going to send you a chapter of it every month. It's my homework. It's what I owe you. And if I don't do it, I'm in trouble. And he goes, that sounds good. And I said, okay, so for every day I'm late, I have to give you $5. And he's like, that's great, but I'm not incentivized to get you to do it on time then. And I'm like, nope, that's correct. Um, <laughs> so for about a year, I would send Chad a chapter every month. And then towards the end of that year, I just kind of, I kind of amped up the quickness of it. Um, and part of it was because, you know, Chad was working, um, Chad has a blog called The Brain Chancery. Uh, if you're interested at all in brain tumors or in, he's actually a screenwriter in LA. He's funny, um, and great, great guy. So I'd highly recommend checking out his work. Um, I, he also has a nonprofit called the cancerful, um, and you can find that through the brain chancery. Um, but Chad was working on his own projects and, you know, he would make all these jokes about having a quote unquote deadline. And he's like, my deadline's stricter than yours. So what are you <laughs> waiting for? Uh, so that was a great motivating factor. So I finished this book and um, I had a friend who was running kind of an independent like platform, and he was like, yeah, we'll totally publish it. I was like, great. So I have a publisher, uh, and then they fold. So I had been working on this book in the hopes of getting it published through a friend of mine, and he had folded. And at that point, I'm like, well, screw everything. I'm going back to my roots. I was like, I'm putting the, the book on the back burner and I started blogging again. But I was so annoyed and so frustrated that I told myself, I am going to write a couple blog posts and they are going to go viral. And I told myself that and I was like, I had no idea what I was talking about. Um, and so I wrote a blog post called, I went paleo and now I hate everything. And it got half a million views in, a, in about a week. It went crazy viral. Um, it got picked up everywhere. And then I wrote a few more articles and a few more posts. And one article that I randomly wrote for another website, I was just throwing stuff out there because you never know. You never know. Um, so I wrote an article and I had my husband dress me. He picked out my outfits for a week. And uh, my my now agent, Zoe Sandler at ICM, saw that post, saw that I had written about 
how my book deal had fallen through and how I didn't have this manuscript with no home. Because again, you should write once you start out narrow, then you start writing about everything. So I was writing about my failed kind of book experience. She contacted me and said, hey, sounds like you're looking for representation. I said, yeah. Um, Zoe contacted me, I would say, in the summer of 2015. We worked on the book together for a few months. By the winter of 2016, she had multiple agents bidding on my book, uh, or excuse me, multiple publishers bidding on my book. Yeah, so it went to so auction. Awesome. Yeah, it sold. Thank you. It was really exciting. It sold. I got to pick my publisher um, from the ones that were bidding. Um, and uh, and it was published. Uh, it was published last month. Um, it's called All Over the Place, Adventures in Travel, True Love, and Petty Theft. And it is much like the blog. It's not quite a travel book. So now I'm trying to get back to my roots because I'm trying to sell this book. And again, I'm having the same trouble that I did in the beginning with the blog, which I'm like, what am I doing? Why is no one reading it? When they read it, they like it. I just can't get them to read it. So how do I do that? This um, is the whole struggle of anyone with any sort of internet-based anything, you know? This is, yeah. And there's no, there is no magic switch. You've just got to keep doing it from all those different angles. So that's where I am now. I am learning the same lesson I've been learning the entire time. <laughs> well, man, there's such a good lesson in there about uh, candor and honesty and everything. Like the fact of how you got the agent that you got, yeah. that they landed you this awesome publishing deal and stuff. If, if you, you know, there's something that people always say in the business world, which is like act as if, you know, which is good, mm -hmm. which is good advice as well. It's like both, mm -hmm. both pieces of, uh, of advice are good. So like, you know, kind of act like you've been there before and act like you act yeah. like you know what you're doing and then people might give you the benefit out and think you know what you're doing. But there's also a place in life for openness and honesty and t yeah. telling people that you don't know what you're doing and telling people that you're struggling. And yeah. it's like the fact that you wrote that into that piece is basically what what got you that book deal. If you tried to act like you were just the shit and mm -hmm. you know, oh no, I don't have any problems like, you know, cuz I'm I'm so awesome at, at this and that, then it, you know, you I, you see that a lot with with oh, the yeah. way people conduct themselves on blogs or like, you know, I hear a lot of podcasts like that and stuff where it's like someone's first couple of weeks with a podcast or something and they talk about their their tens of thousands of fans and stuff and it's like Dude, you, I know you don't have tens. Like, why are you acting like you're this thing that you're not, you know? And to be open about your vulnerabilities and exactly where you're at in your life right now uh, is, is A, uh, kind of charming and nice to people, but B, <laughs> uh, can directly lead to something awesome like that where somebody that yeah. is in a position to help enjoys your voice and enjoys what you're doing. And they're like, hey, I actually know you need help because you mentioned it, you know? Yeah, no, it's so funny that you bring up the examples that you just did because the thing that I always do, um, thank you, by the way, that was, thanks, um, is be vulnerable, be as vulnerable as you're comfortable being. I, I don't want to tell people to be, you know, to push their boundaries in ways that they're not comfortable. You need to be sincere to you. And that means respecting your personal boundaries too. Uh, for me, I just happen to be cool with telling people all the crap that's going on in my life. Right. Be vulnerable, but pretend you're you have a huge audience. 
And so that's what I do. I'm like, I am confidently awkward, right? I am confidently insecure. I like, yeah, like, I'm like, yeah, I'm insecure. You want to hear about it? Like, I'll tell you about it. Yeah, I'm super uncomfortable in social settings. Let's talk about it. (laughs) Like, yeah, I just did. Hey, like, I've literally been on stage talking to a huge group of people and been like, hey, guys, I'm super excited to be here. I'm also really nervous and sweating profusely and everybody laughs, right? And you've changed the dynamic because now everyone's rooting for you. And there's also this, this weird confidence that comes from that. So I always say, pretend, like, speak, pretend you have a huge audience, like do, like act as though you do, but uh, don't be afraid to be vulnerable and don't be afraid to be, you know, who you are. Right, right. Absolutely. That's great, great advice. I would love to know uh, before, when when you were working on the book the first time, um, mm-hmm. and actually before even that, and you mm-hmm. said that uh, after the timepiece, you started to get uh, various emails from people approaching yeah. you like, hey, would you run a book? Or hey, yeah. I could be your agent, whatever it was. Um, that is obviously totally new territory for you yes how the hell do you know how to navigate all of that it it, again it's one of those things where you see um you see so many ups and downs of your of your blog over time that i'm sure it taught you a little bit about like tempering your emotions and (laughs) tempering what you're looking at as like a high or a low or whatever it is and and these people are coming to you though and it's very hard when you haven't gotten that sort of attention before to not just sign with the first freaking person that talks right. to you. You know, it's like, oh, my God, you think I'm great and you're a real businessman and you're a real person? Like, yeah, let's do whatever you want. Like, you know, h- how do you not, uh, I guess, just sign yourself up for the worst deal ever because you're just flattered to have anyone talking to you? I don't know. <laughs> But here's what I I mean, like, I would say, you know, try and reach out to your network, do some research, even contact people who have already been in that position and flat out ask them, like, send an email to a couple of your heroes, right? And be like, hey, I really admire and respect your work. You've been here before. I don't know what to do. And see if they reply. They might not always. But I've had a couple people who have asked me, who have gone through the book deal or who are going through the book publishing process. And they're like, I'm looking at agents. How do I pick one? I'm looking at this. And I actually have a bunch of blog posts about um, what agents are looking for. If you do a search for book publishing on my site, you'll find, again, start out narrow, uh, get bigger. So you can find stuff about book publishing, about how to pick an agent, about um, how to pick a publisher how to work with an editor. Um, but I didn't, I did not know what I was doing at all the first time around. And actually nothing came of it, right? Like I had, I had an agent who I was really excited to work with and she said, okay, get back to me with a couple ideas for your book. And I said, okay. And a couple months later I emailed her and she never emailed me back. And then I emailed her again and she never emailed me back. What? And then when I was, yeah. And then when I was trying to sell the book again, I emailed her one more time and I never heard from her again. Um, and so I was like, all right, like that did not work, but there have to be other avenues. So so yeah, again, it was it's another setback. You you think that you've made it, and then boom, you're dropped back at the bottom again. Yeah, for sure. 
That's got to yeah. be so hard because then you're just thinking to yourself, like, did I miss this whole opportunity? Oh, um, and I did. Am I, I never going to have this opportunity ever again? I absolutely thought that. And it was kind of culminated with the fact of like, like, I had this weird sort of self-pitying, like, but it's not fair. Like, I, I couldn't write the book because I had, like, I was getting all these headaches and like, then I had brain surgery and I was out of commission for a while. So like, that's like, how is that fair? You know, I had this stupid self-pitying bullshit, um, that like, do not go down, do not, do not wallow, like wallow in it for an afternoon. Don't wallow <laughs> in it for too long because it won't get you anywhere. Right. And yeah. and sure enough, like there are people who will come to you who are like, really, you think that's a problem? And they will sh- like, there are people who have accomplished ludicrously amazing things from less. So don't like, don't wallow in it too long. But yeah, it was really hard because I felt like I was back at square one. Yeah. Yeah. I um I can't remember the freaking name of the podcast now. So something that like that I enjoy about the interviews that I get to do on this show is just hearing about the struggles that anybody goes through in their life for the exact reasons that you just said. Um, right. But and I cannot believe I can't think of the name of it. Uh, when I think of the name of it, I will uh, I'll, I'll put a link to it on the post for this episode on the website. But there's a great uh, podcast that NPR started about like six months ago or something like that, where mm-hmm. they because they're NPR, uh, they interview like the best of the best. And it's all about how they became anything. So uh, they it, it usually like kind of like startup type of thing. So like they interviewed um, like the the founders of Airbnb. They interviewed like the founders of Instagram. They interviewed the guy that makes Tom's. They interviewed like, you know, all these interesting people. And it's so wonderful hearing these people talk about like, and when this thing happened, when we were first getting started, I thought we were fucked and then like, yeah. and that we were never going to get, you know, back. And it's like, right. and you obviously know, you know, they don't have to, they, they all, they, they talk about in this thing is kind of the beginning of the story because it's like, everyone knows the end of the story. The end of the story for Instagram is that it's freaking Instagram for God's sake. Right, and right, that, and right. you have it on your phone. That's how it ended. Right, but right. when Instagram is talking about how, yeah, because this thing happened, we thought we missed our chance and that it was just never going to happen for us. Um, it's, uh, I man, you can never hear too many stories like that as far as I'm concerned. It's like it's so comforting when you're going through a struggle yourself to hear someone say things like that. Right. And that is part of the the power of vulnerability, right? Yes. Is that people are like, Oh, you feel that way too. Oh, I'm not alone. Yeah. Well now I wanna read now I wanna read your book or buy your pod or, you know, subscribe to your podcast or or visit your website. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So mm-hmm. I would love to know your uh, thoughts on and like what you did with marketing and kind of treating your blog as a business in the early days and stuff. So I there are certain people that sort of have a belief, and I think probably a lot of people that originally start a uh, a podcast or a blog or whatever sort of like internet based thing is they will originally start with the belief of like. If you build it, they will come. Like if mm-hmm. I and it's and it's good. Obviously, it's like that mm-hmm. goes without saying. So if I make a track, like the cream always rises to the top. That's why mm-hmm. there's a saying: the cream rises to the top. That's why there's a saying: if you build it, they will come. It's like mm-hmm. there's only so much, a- and like people say things like content is king and things like that. It's like mm-hmm. there's there can only be so much great content out there that it if if mine is truly great people will find it now then you go at, then now you put your baby your product like out into the internet and you 
remember, you get kind of smacked down to reality and you remember like, oh my God, the internet is huge. Like there's mm-hmm. so many other people out there. And not only are there so many other people out there right now, but like mm-hmm. there is more people out there tomorrow and there's more people out there the next day and there's more travel blogs out there next week. So mm-hmm. in if, you know, Time is writing articles about travel blogs. Well, every year, a hundred thousand new travel blogs start up. That's not good for you, you know. Like right. there now, there's all these more people that they have to sift through in order to find yours. So I guess did you kind of take that mindset of of my content will lead to people finding me, or did you market yourself in a way to to help things out? I started with the idea that if I make it, people will find me. And I have, and part of it is because we're all a reaction to our environment. And my husband, um, so I don't know if people in, in who are listeners of your podcast, like, I don't know if they follow the SEO world. My husband's name is Rand Fishkin. He runs a, a internet marketing or he started a, a company that does software for internet marketers he is a a very big voice in the vig- digital marketing world so obviously he was like we are going to market the heck out of this and i was like screw you no we're not uh and so i was adamantly against it for years and i thought no if i just write good content people will come I don't know what it would have looked like if I had marketed better. Maybe the Time Magazine would have been just the beginning, or maybe it would have happened sooner, or maybe different things would have happened, and maybe it wouldn't have taken me eight years from launching my blog to getting my book out there in the world. I don't I don't know. I can't speak to it, but I will say, looking at everything now, there's no reason not to market your work. There's absolutely no reason to. You can be the best singer in the world, but if you're only doing it in the shower, who's going to find out? Right, right. Right? Like no one is. You absolutely need to market your work. And if you are in the writing world um, and you are questioning this at all, I'm going to tell you something now that is incredibly important, um, which is you will not have a single meeting with a publisher or an agent where you are not asked what your Twitter follower count is, where you are not asked what your uh, daily visits to your blog are, where you are not asked what even I've been asked what my Instagram followers count is for selling a book. And I'm like, what in the book doesn't have pictures. What are you guys talking about? They want to know that you have an audience right? because they want to know that you are a sure bet and that you can sell this book or that you can sell whatever. And investors want to know that too. If you've got a startup, right? People want to know. And so you need to build your audience, um, as best you can and you got to put your word out and you got to be self-promotional and i know how awkward that is too and i think i think it can be incredibly difficult for women right because we're told we're being pushy we're told we're being arrogant we're told like we're only talking about ourselves um i've written a post about that too like why is it so hard to be self-promotional in general and why is it so hard as a woman um it's excruciating i know it is uh you got to get over it yeah, God, that's such great advice. It's so it's so interesting with things like that because people 
want to have a sense of artistic integrity and things, you know, like, and, and if you yeah. feel like if that's not really you, like I'm hugely not a social media person and I still right. am not doing a very good job at it. Um, but I, I mean, I do it for the show. Um, and it's something that I, I, it's been like an ongoing goal of mine to enjoy it more and to like, just try to, you know, make it this thing that I don't, that, that I, um, put more effort into and stuff because I'm enjoying it, you know? Right. And, um, it's hard because you feel like exactly what you said about your, your content and everything like, well, okay, if my content is good and I'm making these things, why do I need that? Or especially the example of the Instagram with an author, like you, like you said, like uh, there's no pictures in my book, Like, why do I need that? And you're standing on a sinking ship. If that's your mentality, you know, like it's, it's okay to feel like, okay, well, I'm going to be a sellout if I go ahead and try to get a whole bunch of Twitter followers or whatever. Um, but unfortunately, like this is the rest, of the, like these are the rules by which the entire rest of the world is playing. And if you don't want to play by those rules, there's about like a 1% chance of you making it or something, you know? And, yeah. uh, the, and, and I know you can point to people who are famous that don't need those things. Like you could say, um, oh, well, you know, and I'm sure he does have a big social media following, but let's say it was like a Joe Rogan is the example or something like, oh, well he, he made it and he didn't have whatever. And it's like, well, well, how do you it, know? Like, we don't know what marketing. First, like, Joe exactly. Rogan might have been doing so much hustling, right? right? One hundred percent. And once that, once you are famous, then you can go ahead and start a blog, and you don't you don't have to do social you media. Your once you're, yeah, machine. like it's all yeah. good. But when you are not a household name, what there's a one hundred percent chance that you need to play by the rules, and that you need to do you need to check these other boxes. It's just the world that we're living in now. Yeah. I asked my, I asked my editor cause someone had, so there uh, people asked a bunch of questions for my editor and I passed them on to her and somebody said, can I get a book deal without, uh, without a platform, without having a huge online platform? And she said, maybe, but you need to be a goddamn literary genius. And even then it's a maybe. Yeah. So I would say you've, God, if you believe in your work, then market it. There's nothing intellectually or spiritually dishonest about telling people that they should read your work. Like, why is that bad? Why is it wrong? Don't be, don't be insincere and like pick your time and your place and be tactful about it. But why shouldn't you promote your work? Like, if you've got, if you've got a book to write or uh or a podcast to promote why is that not your pinned tweet tweet on twitter why aren't you on twitter like why aren't we sharing our work i say this at the same time every time i write a post my husband's like why haven't you shared that so i understand completely the struggle um it's but, incredible to me you saying that you you turned down your husband with marketing help because you're like just so everyone knows like you gave a little bit of background on him but I mean your husband is like one of the foremost experts on internet marketing and SEO and stuff in the entire world like yeah you can like yeah, count no, people on is. like one hand that are as like is as, <laughs> as knowledgeable as him in what he does 
and he's offering you help and you're like, nope, not going to do it. No, I'm like, I have, I have travel bloggers email Rand for help, like other travel bloggers who I know. And I'm always like, man, they have such a great audience. Like why I want their audience. And they're sitting there and Rand's like, oh yeah, so-and-so emailed me. He wanted help on this. I'm like, what? And Rand's like, yeah. I'm like, what, what about me? And he goes, are you kidding? Like, you don't want my help. So don't, I mean, like, don't, don't kid yourself. Like, yes, the cream, like the cream rises to the top, but like you, yeah, need to tell people it's there. Like, yeah, can't, yeah, can't keep that hidden, right? Some of the most, I mean, some of the most accomplished people out there are brilliant, brilliant marketers. And I think, you know, we need to remember that. Like they put themselves out there. They do promotional events. They put out tweets. They, they, they share their stuff. They, they are innovative. And like, that's the game that you need to play. Yeah. And I, I think the struggle that a lot of people have, um, that I have to a little bit of extent more. It's just that I legitimately just don't like even like logging on to social media and stuff. Sure. But uh, also like the, the main thing that most people have, like you said, is is just in the self-promotion aspect in, in the the main part of it for them is that they look at other self-promoting people and they're like, but I don't want to look like that. And I think that the thing that people need to keep in mind is that you still have your own voice. You still get to choose the way in which you do it. Just because you are promoting doesn't mean you have to be uh, like that dude on YouTube who goes through his garage and shows people his Ferraris. You know, like that doesn't have to be the way in which you do it. You can still maintain your own voice while you are promoting yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. No question. Like you don't need to compromise who you are. Uh, you don't, but, but like there is, I, I genuinely believe there is no shame in, in sharing your work with people. You know, Van Gogh died without selling paintings, right? I think he died without selling a single painting. Um, that wasn't a happy end for him. Yeah, no kidding. So, so yeah, I mean, if you want it, like. If you want it, you do have to put yourself out there. So, and even- Geraldine, at what point did you sell out then? Because you said you obviously said at first, like you were turning down marketing help and stuff. Obviously, you're now a supporter of the idea of marketing. Like, at what point were you like, "All right, let's do this thing"? Um, well, so it's so funny because I'm like the book. The book was was that point. That was like two months ago. That was like last month. Yeah. And you've been doing the blog for like eight years. That's incredible. Isn't that something? Um, Because here's here's the thing. Like I I wrote this book and even now I'm having trouble telling you about it. I'm like, oh God, people don't want to hear me talk about my book like that. No, like you got to get over it. I created this thing. I am immensely proud of it. Um, And I want people to buy it. And what I realized is like the mechanics of book selling, like nobody understands how it works. People in the industry don't understand who it works. We're all trying to figure it out. And if I'm going to get this book to sell, I need to, I need help. And I have, I am incredibly lucky that I have a husband who knows internet marketing, but I also have this, uh, you know, cadre of friends who are internet marketers like that is literally what they do and so they're like hey do you want to sit down and talk about how to do this 
Like, we'll do it. And, you know, <laughs> totally. they're sitting there. You know, people usually pay me like $1,000 an hour for these conversations, but we can just yeah. hang out. Yeah. They're like, basically, you know, my friend Lexi was like, oh, yeah, like when you're in New York, let's meet. She's this amazing uh, PR expert. She usually works with very high profile musicians. And she's like, yeah, let's sit and talk. And she's sitting there telling me some ideas that she has while feeding me candy. And I'm like, what? Like literally feeding me candy. I'm like eating candy. And I'm like, this would like the number of people who would die for this experience is off the charts. I can't, I can't not take it. And I think, I think that's the other thing too. Like there are people who want to help you. You might not realize it. Like there are people who want to help you, um, but you need to ask them. So reach out into your networks and say, hey, guys, I have this project. Um, they will be falling over themselves to help you because, because they are your friends and they want to help you. And because if the situation were reversed, you would help them yeah. in a heartbeat. So Absolutely. I think, and, and again, it comes back to, well, why don't we want to do it? Well, we don't want to be vulnerable. Right. But vulnerability is kind of the key to everything. You got to put yourself out there and it's real uncomfortable. Yeah. hundred percent. So Geraldine, let's start to wind this thing down. You, oh my uh, gosh, I have taken up your entire morning. Right? No, this is awesome. I love it. Uh, so you, uh, you mentioned that you still have trouble talking about the book. Uh, yes. so why don't you just tell us all about the book right now? Oh my just, gosh. Like, sell it for everyone to like why uh, they should buy it. Oh gosh, this is terrifying. I'm actually <laughs> so sorry. Uh, no, it's cool. So it is, I call it the anti-travel book in the same way the blog isn't about travel um, exclusively. So it's it's a travel book written by the person who is least qualified to write a tra- travel book. Um, and one of the pitches uh, or one of the lines from the from the book and from the publicity materials for it are, you know, some people are meant to travel the world, um, to uncover its mysteries and to appreciate all the beauty that it holds. And some people get lost in their hometown and get motion sickness from bending over to tie their shoes. And these people are meant to stay at home and eat nachos. And I am one of those people in that second category. <laughs> like I am not meant to travel the world. I am completely bad at it. I am constantly getting lost. I am constantly getting ripped off. I am making ludicrous amounts of mistakes. Um, and this is a travel blog about what happened, or it's a travel book about what happens when the person least qualified to write one decides to do that. Which is what so, makes it so goddamn charming. <laughs> it's like in your blog is the same way. It's like you're you're basically like an anti-hero, you know, um, I, I, I'm in, in fiction. And it's like yeah. that's like anti-heroes are such great people because they're more relatable in a lot of ways. You know, it's like, oh, okay, well, nice. Superman is very cool. But people are much more drawn to, uh, even though he's just like a more straightforward hero. This is about to get nerdy, I guess, for a second, kind of comic booky. But like someone like Wolverine, because he has all yeah. these like character flaws, you know. Sure, like, I thought and, you were going to go with Spider Man or Batman, but no, yeah, no, you, uh, yeah, yeah. You but, you swim. Uh, Did you just go from 
Did you just go to Marvel? Wait, what did you do there? I know DC to Marvel. Yes, yeah, totally. you did something. You did something kind of crazy. There. Yeah, okay, well, but yeah. even better, like all the independent comics that have all these like antiheroes that are just like this person's not meant to be a hero, but they just not happen to be either thrust into it or they have these powers or whatever it is. And people like that are always the most beloved of the characters because it's so much more goddamn relatable because like people don't feel like a hero you know like so many more people would put themselves in that second category you just named than the people who are just freaking kicking ass and waking up at 6 a.m when they're in tokyo because they're out the door to try out this new thing and whatever it's like there's not a lot of people like that you know yeah it's just gonna make you feel bad about yourself (laughs) yeah exactly my book will make you feel great about yours because you're like god this woman is a disaster and look (laughs) if she can do it anyone can so that's i mean that's kind of the guiding ethos behind the blog right and it's kind of what becomes the guiding ethos about the book so it traces everything from it starts with me getting laid off um and it traces the the story of the blog it includes the story of my brain tumor um and it also talks about i have this very international family um my father was a russian who worked for u.s intelligence for many many years uh my mother is italian they met in rome uh she didn't understand the nuances of my dad's work until she found a bunch of passports and ids with different names on them in a drawer and she was like okay so i don't think i don't think you're a quote-unquote translator. I think there's something else at play here. Um, So, you know, my dad had very exciting uh, Tinker Tailor soldier spy kind of life. Um, My mother left Europe and him to come to America to have me. Uh, And so it talks about me kind of going back to Europe and and trying to understand my family better. Um, And and all of this is is through travel. Um, Again, you have all these things you want to talk about, but you've got to wrap them up in one little topic, right? Otherwise, you can't sell the idea. Um, And it is 100% new content. So if you are a fan of the blog or if you want to check out the blog, don't worry. The book will not at all rehash any of that. It'll be all new. There's an entire chapter in which I talk about malfunctioning toilets. Um, My grandmother-in-law- So good to know about that yeah and it's it's available on amazon it's available at barnes and noble it's on sale right now i think you can get it for like 14 bucks on amazon the uh the ebook is four dollars which is a joke you could spend that now um some people yeah. are probably actually spending that right now as they're listening I to you say that. Do. I hope they do. I shouldn't say it's a joke. $4 is a lot of money to a lot of people in a lot of places in the world. I'm sorry about that comment. But, but like, if you have $4, it would be awesome if you spent it on on my book. Um, and it, again, it's called All Over the Place, Adventure, Adventures in Travel, True Love, and Petty Theft. Um, and my my blog is, as you mentioned, it's the everywhereist. Um and if it sounds like I'm slurring any of these words, it's because I am an adult with braces. So I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm on the Amazon page right now. And uh, it's got 4.9 out of 5 stars. Basically, every single one of the reviews is a verified purchase. So it's not just like all your friends and stuff like no, just okay. logging on here. The, <laughs> the most critical review of the entire book is still gave it 3 stars. And that is the only review that's actually not a verified purchase. So, oh, oh. you know, maybe a competitive blogger or something. Well, I don't know. You know that, that girl who didn't like me in high school, oh. you know, she's out there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, for um, sure. 
Yeah. And if you, if you pick up the audio book, um, I actually popped out my Invisalign and recorded the audiobook myself. So if you haven't gotten too tired of my voice, you could, uh, you could hear that too. Cool. I love it. I love it. All right, cool. So any uh, final advice before we go that you would like to give to somebody that would like to have your life, basically, which is to say that they would like to be able to to blog for a living and everything. Is there advice that you could give to someone to recreate what you did? Or you think that what you oh, did God. is like not recreatable? It's just, uh, you know, showing up over and over again and, and luck and time and all that. I mean, I expect, I think a lot of, I think a lot of my experience was luck, but I expect if there are people who are listening to your podcast, like I expect more of them than I do of myself. Um, because, uh, because I, I want them to do what I did and I want them to do it better. Uh, and I think that they can. I think that they can market themselves better. I think that they're already trying to improve themselves by listening to shows like yours. Um, and and they're already trying to find other ways to do it. So, so yes, yes, I absolutely think you can do what I am doing. Um, and and do it better and and push me, push me off my uh off my standing on the podium yeah get um, off your high horse come on yeah yeah so so i hope that they will um i would say the one thing that i would tell them is um remember that you can you can do like you can support yourself with your job and you can still find ways of fitting the things you love into your life i think for a lot of people, that's really true. Like you can do it. You don't need to, you don't need to drop everything and travel the world. Like you can have a job and, and, and do some writing or do what you want within those parameters. Uh, and I would, I would tell them, remember like your, the things that are holding you back, those limitations can, they can sometimes be actually a source of creativity, right? If you're like, man, I only can, I only can blog when when the baby's napping. Like that can become a great premise for a website. That's right? what I was just like, thinking. That's a great premise. <laughs> right. Like stuff that happened in the 20 minutes that my kid actually slept. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think and I would say just keep doing it. Like please keep doing it. Like if you give up, it'll never happen. So please keep doing it. Like I am asking you personally as a favor to me. Like please keep pursuing what you want to do and then shout to everyone about it because we want to know and we want to hear and we want your voice and your creations like out there in the world. We really do. Yeah. So please keep doing it. Love it. Great advice. Great advice throughout. Uh, Geraldine, you're so awesome and your blog is so awesome. You uh, are so awesome. <laughs> thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming on the show and uh, we will all see you soon on your blog. Thank you. Yay, thanks. Hey everyone, it's Blake. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. If you did, I would appreciate it so much if you considered leaving a review for the show on iTunes. I swear it'll only take like two minutes. Um, just search for the show on iTunes, click on it, click on ratings and reviews. You can leave a quick review um, or just uh, keep listening to the show. I appreciate that as well. Or tell a friend about the show or something. And if you have any ideas for the show, if you have a particular job or hobby that you would like to hear interviewed on the show, if you yourself think that you do something interview worthy and you would like to tell the world about what this job or hobby is that you have, head on over to halfhourintern.com. There's a link 
link right there at the top that says submit your ideas and you could submit your ideas for the show be them uh, somebody else that you would like me to interview a particular field that you would like to hear about or even if it is you yourself that would like to come on the show thanks so much for listening you guys